This week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. For 85 years, DU has worked to restore, enhance, and protect wetlands to the benefit of wildlife and people. It's a daunting challenge and one our supporters take very seriously because to them, nothing is more important than the outdoors we all cherish. And it all starts in our local chapter events. To find an event near you or to join our volunteer team, go to www.ducks.org. DU, a proud sponsor of the Lone Star Outdoors show and sportsmen everywhere. No time for coffee because the sun will be coming up soon. And we've got to get a move on before these birds start singing their tune. Cash, don't speak it. If your job is a grind, don't let it show. The devil has ears to hear you, and that's the only way he's gonna know. We've all got our own burden. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> Little Justin Bowerman, our good friend. Leave it at the front gate, kicking things off for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by Mossberg Firearms, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you for tuning in to episode 627. Man, time flies when you're having fun. And uh, over 600 episodes later, I think we're just getting started. Uh, Because there's no place I'd rather be every week than talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for dropping by today. As... Well, most people's turkey seasons are are wrapping up. Um, Hopefully, you enjoyed a banner spring. And if you're still out there chasing long beards, good luck to you. Um, That's what we're going to talk about today, by the way. All things turkey hunting and turkey conservation. And so, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat up old Stanley Thermos, the one with mud caked on it from duck seasons that have come and gone. Um, but like I said, it's turkeys, 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 and there's a hot button issue in regards to reaping. If you don't know what that is, you're going to find out on today's broadcast reaping or fanning turkeys. And Cameron Weddington will be here. He recently penned a piece for Outdoor Life that basically said that practice of uh, of reaping or fanning turkeys should be completely outlawed in all 50 states. Kind of seems like a a blowhard thing to say. So, um, and and I didn't even know going back a few weeks ago when we had Michael Waddell on the show, I didn't even know that him and Cameron were kind of going back and forth at each other on this topic. Of course, Michael, pro legal take across the board, I also fall into that camp, unless you can show me some science that dictates we need to rethink whatever method it may be for whatever species that could be negatively affecting the population. But as far as like outlawing legal hunting practices, generally speaking, uh, I'm opposed to that as well. So when I read this article, I wanted to just dismiss it as completely inflammatory. This guy's out of touch. But after thinking about it, I was like, now I want to understand where he's coming from. Why does he feel this way about reaping? And so I invited Cameron on the show, uh, which he said, sure, 
who was, you know, happy to come on and and have that conversation rather than hunters just being completely dismissive of each other and and in a negative way. Make no mistake, I mean, social media certainly amplifies that dynamic as well. So like I said, uh, we'll see what points Cameron brings up to support his claim that reaping or fanning gobblers should be banned in all 50 states. Uh, It's going to be an interesting conversation. We'll see where it goes. Um, Let's do a quick giveaway before we take a break. And this might be another thing that Cameron doesn't like, tungsten turkey loads. I've got a box of, well, two boxes. We'll do two boxes so you have enough uh, shells to pattern your gun and then smack a couple gobblers upside the head. But I've got the uh, TK7 Penetrator. That's Kent's tungsten turkey load. They don't even make them anymore. They quit making them during COVID. But I've got a couple boxes, maybe even cases in the garage. And I'll give away two boxes to today's winner. Just text in, email in um, the word Kent. That's Kent to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. That's Kent to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's TK7 Penetrator Turkey Load Giveaway. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. trying and crazy for crying and I'm crazy for loving you y'all Chris Letzinger online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club we're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges full pro shop and six different 3d courses Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. To this that was windy, steep, and cool. Road to you, made concrete green. That's our very own Mickey and the Motor Cars bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you as always, and we've got a very controversial, very hot-button issue to get into here in just a second. Before we do that, this segment proudly brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. No organization continues to financially support big game hunting and conservation like SCI. They put their money where their mouth is, and that's great for you and I as hunters because we reap the benefits of that hard work both domestically and internationally. For more information um, or to join, I think it's only like $65 for the year, just head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, 
Let's talk some turkeys. It is my pleasure to welcome Cameron Weddington to the show. Hey, Cable. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're joining us from Tennessee. Yep. Okay. Yep. Where whereabouts in Tennessee? Man, I don't want to get too specific. I don't want anybody chasing me around. <laughs> <laughs> There's no turkeys in this part of Tennessee. Don't come here. I don't. I only know uh, Memphis and Nashville. I guess so. Yeah. Well, so uh, yeah. That's yeah. about I, it. I'm in the part of Tennessee that has uh, not quite as many turkeys as the other parts. All I'm gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, how has your season been? Man, it's. I will. I will say this season has been probably past five years the best i mean mm -hmm. it's been incredible not just from a killing standpoint i mean I, i've gotten my fair share of turkeys it's been awesome i've gotten to see a lot of turkeys i've gotten to call in several turkeys and not shoot them which has been fun and then the jake numbers has been probably the most encouraging thing i've seen in in years I, i've seen more jakes in tennessee and and all the states i've been to eight states including tennessee and every single state i've seen more jakes than than i have probably the past five years combined so well that's a good thing man it's been awesome i've i've heard i think it's 183 different turkeys gobble this year so it's pretty hard to complain about that yeah nice nice um so i assume you've done the grand slam thing then at this point the Grand Slam, yeah. So I actually got a Grand Slam this year, a single season slam, but I've I've gotten a couple Grand Slams overall. I, uh -huh. You know, pretty much anytime I get a chance to get an Osceola, it'll be another Grand Slam. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, right. Right. That's, uh, yeah. I was talking with Michael Waddell a couple of weeks ago. I had him on the show, and we were talking about how the Osceola is the one that's like, obviously, it's the hardest to get, but it's become in such high demand that now like prices for just a turkey is like 2,500 bucks, $3,000. Oh yeah. The, the guided hunts are crazy. And then you public land options. I mean, my gosh, it's going to be super crowded and quota hunts are going to take five, six years at a, at a minimum, you know, now. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a high demand. I mean, what blows my mind is Florida just now, like starting next year is actually going to have harvest reporting for their turkeys. And I'm like, y'all are the only ones in the country that have these like you think you'd want to keep up with how many are getting killed like yeah. these, these are the big horn sheep of your state pretty much like you may want to protect them <laughs> uh -huh. that is that is weird that they i mean they're behind the eight ball on that like wow that seems like every state yeah. wildlife agency should be tracking uh how many you kill i don't you know? know i don't i'll be honest i don't know that we track how many rios get killed in texas um, no probably not i mean most but, states have no idea how many are killed they don't know how many people are hunting them and they're trying to scientifically project seasons and stuff off that which is crazy to me but i think uh, if you had all the data sets it would be a lot easier to set seasons of bag limits you know mm -hmm. but that's just me but I, the first time i killed an osceola in florida you know i killed him took him to like the little check station they had there, you know, thinking like I had to, you know, they probably want to do all this examination because I've killed the Osceola and they're like, cool, head home. And I was like, like, you're going to put a tag on him or, you know, do I need to sign a book somewhere? And they're like, nah, yeah. go home. It's like, put it online. Nah, head home. That right. is weird. See now, <laughs> we've dumped a lot of money into our Eastern Turkey restoration in, yeah. in the Eastern part of Texas. And so when you kill one of those, you do have to report that and they track that religiously. Good. Well, good I mean, reason. it makes sense. Yeah. 
but yeah, it wouldn't be hard to be like, oh, uh, you know, when you fill out your report, there everyone's concerned with migratory birds and dove. Like, how many dove did you kill last season? Oh, I don't a mm, hundred. Yeah. How many ducks turkey? did you kill? I don't know, fifty. No question for turkey. Like, why? I it's it'd be so easy just to add that in there. Everyone's very concerned about the wild turkey in the United States right now. Yet the legislation hasn't done anything to track them better as far as all right here's how many we think is in the flock here's how Mm. many we think got killed and here's how many turkey hunters we have i mean most of them base it off of these like after season surveys i've turkey hunted for you know what 15 years now i've never gotten an after season survey in tennessee so i don't know who they're surveying but you'd think Mm. i would have gotten one you know (laughs) yeah yeah um it's just weird to me that you know why not have a $2 $2 turkey st- or free turkey stamp you have to buy to hunt turkeys so that they could be like, all right, we sold 90,000 of these 90,000 people turkey hunted here. And then we have mandatory reporting. They killed this many. All right. Is this sustainable? Yes. No, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird when they, when they ask you, you know, how many dove or ducks did you kill? How many sandhill cranes did you kill? Yeah. Uh, they, they don't ask about whitetail deer either. So maybe, yeah. but I don't know. It seems like Turkey populations in some areas have been struggling. So, yeah, I mean, Tennessee, they're the deer, like they want us to just massacre them at this point. So yeah. I think like you can win a sportsman's license if you like they have where you can earn a sportsman's license every year by shooting a certain number of deer. Like we can shoot three does a day. They want us to shoot. I think a game warden told me you could legally kill like 93 deer here a year. Oh like my that. God. <laughs> so they want us to kill them. I don't think they care if we report them or not. I have no idea. Yeah. Interesting. So you've been turkey hunting for, you said, for quite a while. Yeah, probably 15 years. I think, you know, where I've actually, not, you know, before that as a kid, I went even more, you know, a couple times with people, but actually hunting on my own since I was like 12 years old. I'm 27 now. So called mm-hmm. up and, and physically called two one to me at 13 is the first one that I felt like I hunted, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's been a while now, but it's been, been fun. It's, it's a consuming part of my life now. I, you can ask my wife. I'm pretty mm-hmm. into it. <laughs> I think I've been turkey hunting about that, about that amount of time, probably 15 years but I didn't, st- I'm, I'm 40 and I didn't start until probably like 25. And, uh, the first time I ever went turkey hunting, we roosted some birds set up along this, uh, Creek in the Texas hill country in big dead oak trees, like stereotypical Turkey roost. And then we put out a decoy about 75 yards from where we thought they were gobbling. And first light, this Tom flies down, walks right up to the decoy. Boom. And I'm like, turkey hunting is so easy this is great you know yeah and it's never you know i don't think i've had an easy that easy of a hunt ever again <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's that happens often i mean you hear stories about people go the first time they kill this monster turkey that came running into the first call a guy made and you're like you know I, I took my brother he he's a farmer he couldn't ever go in the morning so he he didn't really turkey out much so i took him one afternoon I'd really hyped up how, how hard it is. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is a grind, man. You know, we go out there and I'd been seeing these three gobblers and hanging around this spot. And so I was like, all right, we're going to sit here. And so we sat down, I waited 15 minutes before I did any calling. 
I was, you know, the whole time we're sitting there, I'm like, all right, you know, it's going to be a process. Like they're going to, they're going to come by at some point. We'll, they'll be within near shot. You know, we're really going to have to be patient today. I yelped and it wasn't 30 seconds after he yelled, nothing answered. My brother just goes, they're coming. I was like, what? He goes, they're running through the field right here. I was like, mm-hmm. I looked down the field row and there's three gobblers running up there, which doubled on, on two of them at like five yards. And it, we literally sat down for five minutes. I was like, yeah. All right, dude, that that <laughs> isn't how this is like I was like, I've I've hunted a lot. That that's happened once. So like don't yeah. don't think this is how it normally goes. No, it it definitely can be a grind. Uh some seasons they, they give it up a little easier, but uh some seasons you're just beating your head against the wall, it seems like. Um yeah. so what do you do for a living? I'm a financial advisor. So I'm a certified yeah. financial planner, which is a that test is a booger to pass, but I, I got it. So it was, it was no fun. I've been doing that for five years now. Um, mm-hmm. Really enjoy it. You know, it, it has some flexibility. It's more enjoyable when the stock market's not going like it is right now, but right. that's what I'm here for. My crypto's in the crapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the crypto stuff. I'm personally not, uh, not going for it, but uh, yeah. stock market's also going in the crapper here this year. So Oh yeah, I my weed stocks are right there with the crypto and have oh, been man. for some time. You, yeah, you like the speculative plays for sure. I know, I know. Um, I hope it works out. So you also are a freelance writer? No, I've written one article. I guess the one I put out the other day for Outdoor Life. They contacted me and asked me to write that article. I I don't really do it. I mean, um, I think I've written two or three articles actually. I wrote one for Duck Camp um a couple years ago just there's some cool guys they asked me to write one about how to turkey hunt you know turkey hunting 101 and mm-hmm. then i did that outdoor life one so if somebody asks me to and i have available time and it's a topic i'm passionate about yeah i'll write an article for them but that's not a uh, not a job by any means okay well so yeah when i had um michael waddell on a few weeks ago i i had no idea who who you were uh yeah and then I find out like after I had him on that you guys kind of been going back on and forth on social media about reaping or, or fanning turkeys. Um, what, so what reaping and fanning, what's the difference? Those are the same thing. I think the like verbiage, I view them as the same, I guess, because people use them interchangeably, but I think specifically like, and I don't even know this cause I don't do it, but it, I think reaping is when you like, approach the turkey behind the fan and like move advance upon him Uh whereas i i this is my interpretation i may be Mm -hmm. totally butchering this but i I always thought fanning was more like he's over there and you slip up behind a log and you like just hold it and kind of show it to him and and do that like you're in one position and you're showing it to him okay rather than like i always thought reaping meant like you went up went on to him and killed him you know out in the field okay um it's not something i've done much of i i tried it one time in south texas this uh this spring yeah and the like there was a gobbler in a sendero and i crawled up there and doing and he was gobbling and stuff but he uh he went into the brush i think he saw me and then he never he never would play ball yeah Uh, so i've only tried it once unsuccessfully yeah so i've i mean i've done it i'm not going to criticize anything i have no experience doing i've done it twice and killed two but uh, i've seen it my one of my best friends and so i did a turkey hunting podcast called the turkey hunter podcast and the co-host of the podcast andy he loves i mean he loves it like he does it all the time 
And so we're always at each other about it, but we get along great otherwise if we hunt together. So I've seen him attempt it uh, a couple times, worked both times there, and I've seen my brother do it, worked for him. I think I've seen it six times attempted, six killed turkeys. Mm. Um, and that's like with a gun. Now, like I've, atti- I've seen it not work. The turkey still died, but when we were in South Dakota, um, we parked on this big bluff looking down in this huge field that we could hunt as public land. And these two gobblers were down there like real living gobblers. And so we parked just back over this thing where they couldn't see the truck and made this huge loop, got around them and started calling, working them and stuff. Well, we look up on the hill and another truck pulled up like, I don't know, 10 feet next to ours on public land. Two dudes hop out, grab the Reaper decoys. They come marching down the hill. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Like, that is a bold move. You know someone else is in there hunting these turkeys, but you're still going to come charging in behind Reaper decoys and try to kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty rude. I mean, I I don't care if they had decoys or not to just park next to somebody and come in on. It's pretty rude anyway. But um, anyway, it didn't work for them because the turkeys saw them because they were just walking, like standing up tall, walking across this thing, didn't even try to crawl behind them. And uh, turkeys took out running away from them, ran straight to us, we killed them both. Hmm. So then we were like, hey, guys, thanks. You know, <laughs> appreciate yeah. it. There but, are some some jerks on public land. I, man, I know we don't experience a lot in Texas because we don't have a lot of public land, but yeah, uh, certainly bear hunting in Montana one time. It's very clear when you when you park at a, you know, this little drive-in spot where you can park and just walk into the woods there, you know that someone's in there bear hunting and we're sitting there glassing. And then these two idiots just walked right into where we were glassing. Like there's, this is Montana, Montana. There's yeah. freaking public land everywhere. Yeah. Uh, like, did, I don't get it. You got more <laughs> land. I know they have every right to be there much as I do, but treat other people like you want to be treated. It always seems to work out. So the funny but, part was the grizzly bear that we we're watching that, these two morons had no idea was just sitting there watching them <laughs> yeah. that's that's pretty sketchy i don't mess with grizzlies <laughs> yeah okay but, so you you wrote this piece for outdoor life uh the case yeah. for banning reaping and fanning turkeys yeah uh, and i so, would like to point out with that if anybody reads it the original piece i wrote was there were three parts to it safety uh-huh. ethics biology biology was the third third reason why i think it should be banned but outdoor life came back and said hey safety and ethics have been argued plenty just cut that all out let's just do biology so that's why that article is only on the biological impacts i mean Uh to to me that's the least i don't know if it's the least there hadn't been enough studies to be able to prove that like this is the number one you know whatever but the safety and ethics part is more so why i think it should be banned but they wanted a piece only on the biological aspect okay cool my take would be the exact opposite because you know idiots climb up in a tree stand every fall and they don't wear a harness so should we ban tree stands no of course not we shouldn't so if some moron gets shot reaping and you know it's gonna happen uh yeah I, I, i more so feel bad for the shooter almost in these situations because i mean like i don't know if you saw the video i posted the other day of the guy's barrel cam and he's hunting over his Jake decoy, and you it's like one of those shot cams or whatever. You can see, like, his barrel where he's aiming, and you see a strutter coming over the hill. I mean, it looks just like a strutter coming over the hill, and he's 
getting the gun ready on it and everything. Well, then all of a sudden it drops and a dude stands up. He was trying to reap dude's decoy. So you got two guys aiming at each other, one at a decoy and one at the strutter. And I'm like, I just thought about that guy who, if he had shot the strutter, he's identified, okay, here's a full tail fan. There's a white head, probably has a beard on it. I mean, the decoys these days literally look like a turkey. Avian X, you know, DSD, all these decoys look just like turkeys. So he identified everything that the, the rule book says identify from a safety standpoint. And if he takes a shot and shoots the guy, people immediately jump on the shooter and be like, he didn't possibly identify his target. Yeah, he did. You know, it's not his fault. It's, it's really the other guy crawling on another man's decoys should be at fault party here. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to say, you know, you said like Michael and I are going back and forth. I don't, I have no resentment towards Michael Waddell. I mean, he, has done a lot of good things for the hunting industry. He's taken some kids with disabilities hunting on them. I've talked to some of them. He's done some good stuff. I do think this is a weird hill for him to go out on uh, and really defend. And I think his comments, you know, about people being Marxists and communists because they essentially disagree with his opinion is kind of outlandish. But mm. um, overall, I, I don't have anything against him. I mean, I, I do wish he would actually engage in conversation with somebody of an opposing opinion on the topic rather than just do like selfie videos of him telling everyone his opinion. Cause like Tyler Jordan was Realtree offered to pay to fly me down there to be on his podcast, Waddell's podcast and have this talk like what me and you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it would have been fine with me. I'm, I'm game. Like I'm not, I'm not one to go down and slander anybody or get in some big argument. I have friends that do it and we, we go back and yeah. forth about it all the time. It's fine. But, never happened because somebody didn't want to talk to me. So it's not a, I'm not in this battle of like trying to slander Waddell or whatever. Um, The only comment I can think of that probably could be perceived as rude would be, I put a, uh, like a clown emoji next to one of his Twitter posts that I think was kind of a clown move. So, but that'd be the only one I could see. And that one had nothing to do with reaping is like shows this, turkey's head that's been completely decapitated and severed on twitter and it just is a interesting concept to me that for someone who's constantly preaching about how the anti-hunters are coming for us and you put that on there i mean that's straight gasoline on the fire for an anti-hunter yeah i think there's a line that you have to what you would text your buddy isn't always the same thing that should go on social media yeah don't don't put it on twitter I mean, come on. I'm not going to lie. If I blew a turkey's head off, I'm going to be like, hey, look at what this TSS did to this turkey and send it to my buddy or send it to the show with having sponsors in the industry. I'd be like, send it to the guy that sent me the shells. Look how effective this is. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put that out there. Um, Yeah, I'm just saying, I I just want to clear that up. Like, I'm not a, he's done some good stuff, you know, but there are people with different opinions from his that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe engage in conversation with them and, don't call them Marxists just because they uh, think you should ban reaping. I, I haven't read the uh, Communist Manifesto, but I don't think that banning reaping was any of the principles that Karl Marx put in there. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, if you're referring to what I think he said that on my podcast, but um, he said it like 20 times on Instagram too. I, people said yeah. it to me all the time. And the angry bow hunter guy you had on here, I saw, I haven't listened to it, but I saw you had him on. He, he wrote a pretty 
interesting letter to Michael Waddell because he's angry bow hunter is also kind of against reaping it seems and mm-hmm. he's a combat veteran and stuff and he's like you're basically calling me a Marxist I've fought for this country so maybe refrain from that I don't so he never specifically said reaping on and we really didn't even get into reaping well I saw his post about you know just because basically someone hunts different than you don't yeah don't vilify that so that was where the premise of this that interview that i had with him was all this stuff that i found out about you know y'all's deal sparked the flame was after it um but you know he was talking more about i think when he said on here like trans trying to transgender your kids and the state of american society yeah i mean there's crazy Um, stuff with that um but let's talk about so i guess the first question why would you be so passionate about you know writing this article and and saying we should we should ban these practices yeah so i mean there's again multi-pronged approach here i think safety is number one mm-hmm. um even people i know who reap and love it think it's the greatest thing ever if i say hey sh- should we make this illegal on public lands all of them are like yeah absolutely no mm-hmm. not even no one's ever even attempted to argue that so like i think at a minimum we just look at public land and say hey you got a, we have a lot more turkey hunters than we used to. They're all utilizing public lands way more than they used to. That's in all the data you can see. And so you put a bunch of people on there crawling around behind the thing everyone's wanting to shoot, you're going to have accidents. So, like, mm-hmm. public land, let's just let's get rid of it there. And but, I wouldn't have it. I mean, I'm, I'm pro hunting, hunter's rights pretty much to a T, but I, that one, honestly, if you said we need to ban this on public land from a safety standpoint, I wouldn't. I wouldn't die on that hill saying no. We yeah, don't. I, I don't think anybody would. It'd be like when they tried to get people, you know, you have to wear orange to go deer hunting. You know, it's like, mm. it's pretty simple safety, you know, but I think the safety is number one. We've had three accidents uh, past two weeks. You had a guy in Tennessee got shot on Yanali WMA. He's reaping, got shot. He survived from what I've heard. A uh, kid in West Virginia. Here's, this is a minor segment of the whole deal, but if you're going to allow rifles for turkey hunting and reaping, maybe we should get rid of one of them. Texas is a rifle and reaping state, Florida, mm-hmm. West Virginia, uh, guy in West Virginia got shot. That being said a, though, I don't know anyone that hunts turkeys with the rifle. People do, to be fair. I, but yeah, it's a very minor, uh, segment. I mean, I know. Why would you want to? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't I get have that. No idea. It, I, I don't get it personally, uh-huh. but kid got shot in west virginia on on his own private land with a rifle he he ended up it wasn't a kid he was in his 20s i think he died but he wasn't uh reaping he was like putting his decoys out and somebody shot him with a rifle and then uh another guy i haven't got the details on this but another guy got shot in nebraska and he passed away he was 17 i think uh, a week and a half ago or so so i mean we're having accidents and you kind of expect those to go up if you have more hunters and more hunters utilizing public Right. Um, but I think we could get rid of one step there of don't crawl around behind the thing everyone's trying to shoot at through the middle of the public land. Or at, at least, like, I don't know, it's easy to ban all handheld maneuverable decoys, like the, the verbiage they use. I don't know how you could do it to where, like, at least don't go crawl through an open field behind it. Like, if, if you're by a tree, maybe you could do it. I don't, I don't know yeah. how you'd even work that into verbiage for a safety standpoint. Well, I think you and I will just disagree on the safety. Like, okay, public land, fine. Uh, if you try to tell me on my own land how to 
how I can or can't hunt turkeys. And I think that's a whole different story, but idiots are going to be idiots regardless. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back and discuss what effect reaping actually has on turkeys. Because to me, that's the most important component. That segment brought to you by the brand spanking new Vortex Optics Crossfire HD 1400 Laser Range Finder. Uh, this bad boy weighs, I think, 4.3 ounces. So a lightweight unit uh, comes with the VIP transferable lifetime warranty, the best in the business. You break it, they fix it, no questions asked. Who does that? It's incredible. Uh, and you can find it at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back with more Turkey Talk on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here for Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra Trail Camera. Highest quality video on the market, bar none. It's 4K. It's incredible. And they've also got an entire lineup of cell cameras as well. You can find it all right there at StealthCam.com. Now let me think. Well, things don't work out by the next song. And you're looking for someone who can dance. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still talking turkeys with Cameron Weddington. We're going to get into reaping and fanning and the effect that it actually has on turkeys here in just a second. But this segment, first of all, is proudly brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I'm drinking the Espresso 300 triple shot right now. 100% Colombian coffee. The 300, that's how much caffeine is in here. So if I feel, or if I sound, because I do feel, if I, if I sound a little hyped up, <laughs> well, you can thank the Black Rifle. Um, you can find these cans at like 7-Eleven or anywhere, you, any convenience store that you might stop at while you're enjoying paying $4.50 a gallon for gas. Uh, be sure to pick up a Black Rifle Maybe uh, help you feel a little bit better about getting raped at the pump. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee company. With that being said, Cameron, uh, thanks for sticking around and joining the conversation. Let's talk about the turkeys themselves because, as I mentioned, I don't think that uh, the safety aspect, it, maybe on public land, but private land, that's a, a non factor for me. Um, but what about the gobblers? What's reaping doing to them? So hunters reaping is, is 
just the one thing I see that really ups your odds of killing a turkey. I know you tried it once. It didn't work. Mm. does not work 100% of the time. I, people will be like, I can't believe you think it works 100% of the time. I don't think that. I know it doesn't work 100% of the time. But let's say it works 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's high. 30, 40. I don't know what the actual metric is. I think that would be an interesting study for somebody to do is how effective is this. But it's 50% of the time, all you got to do is see two turkeys and you kill one. Um, that's pretty simple. So it, it also, with all of the new hunters we have, we have a mass influx of new hunters. I mean, massive, especially to turkeys. Um, big part of that was COVID hit right before turkey season. Mm-hmm. All those people came into the fold to get outdoors. They're still here. They're bringing new people. We've had a mass expansion. Um the, well, you should you should listen to that angry bow hunter podcast that I did because he goes into this issue of hunter recruitment. You know, um, R three and all this stuff. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, you know, are we recruiting just, the right kind of hunters? Or we don't need just like we don't need more people to go kill stuff. Like we mm-hmm. need more people who are going to actually put back in the habitat and help you know propagate more than they kill would be nice. Um. But yeah, I, I, I need to listen to that one. Cause I'm, you just grow up your whole life and all you hear is like, we need more hunters. We need more hunters. We got to get more hunters. If we don't get more hunters, you know, the antis will get us. But it, like at this point, I'm kind of, I'm on the fence on it. Cause I'm like, is it sustainable to keep making new hunters? Like, are, right. are we going to over hunt and over harvest all of these populations of animals because of and i've always hunters? been on that on the side of like you said like growing up like i've been doing this 15 years for a living almost 14 14 years and i've always been on the we got to recruit more hunters there's power in numbers yeah. but i more so since covid i've been like walking yeah. that back a little too, bit i'm thinking about it too fast <laughs> yeah i'm not saying one's right or one's wrong i'm just saying i'm, I'm having hesitations about yeah. the way that i've always what i've always believed to be true yeah um, my point with the new hunters, um, and I hate when people are like, just because people don't hunt the way you do, don't criticize it. That's not what I'm doing. I'm happy for everyone who has success. My buddy sends me one. I know he reaped it. He's got his decoy on there. Congrats. I'm so happy for you. You know, that's, that's, that's it. Um, but with the new hunters, if you gave me a new guy, and he wants to go turkey hunting and he has access to a couple fields or whatever to hunt. You give me 10 minutes with him. I'll show him a couple of YouTube videos, give him a Reaper decoy, 12 gauge with some TSS. How about it, buddy? You don't even need a turkey call. Get out there. If you see one with a bunch of hens strutting in the field, put that thing in front of you, keep it in front of you, watch this video, see how he crawls. Crawl out there and shoot it. If it doesn't work on him, go do it to another one. If you do it to enough turkeys, it's going to work and you'll kill your limit this year. You know, so very quick and easy entry into turkey hunting success. And I mean, there's no doubt about it. Everyone wants that gr- picture on the gram with the fanned out turkey. So they, they're going to want to kill. Um, is that a bad thing? You know, hey, it's the guy's first turkey. That's great. I'm glad he got his first turkey. But is it sustainable? I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's a question we got to answer. So the antithesis of that is, learning to blow a turkey call or use a turkey call and calling properly and learning woodsmanship and doing all this other stuff that literally takes years to become consistently successful. And people 
message me all the time and they're like man i decided when i was going to start turkey hunt i was going to do it just to call on a gun you know and get after it it took me three years but here he is and they killed one and it's like this huge satisfaction for him i'm like man that would have to be something you worked for three years for that turkey you know that's impressive it's not just a immediate gratification you got your participation turkey for the year Hmm. you know so to me I, i just think if we're gonna invite all these new hunters in the fold um we have to look at method of take um because you know who Bill Healy is? I know I'm talking a lot. You may have a bunch of questions, but oh, that's I'm okay. to, this uh, is a no, long I, answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who Bill Healy is. Okay, so he is the guy back in the 90s. They basically tasked him with like, hey, how do we do a spring turkey hunt? Because, I mean, most people know fall turkey hunting is how this all started. Everyone hunted him in is the he, fall. Is he a writer? No, he's like a biologist. Okay. Um. So back, back then you – hunted in the fall like you know thanksgiving you have turkey you know, everybody hunted in the fall well, they boring. want to start doing... it's so boring yeah. do i, well, I have four turkey tags and i'm not wasting one unless that because i want them charging my decoy i want i want to play the game it's like the same reason why i love elk hunting with a bow you know it's uh to me yeah there's never a time where i'm like i'm gonna shoot i get it if you want to have one for thanksgiving okay yeah but the turkeys that get shot in texas during the fall are just turkeys that are coming to a deer feeder and oh, the yeah. guy's like oh, 100%. boom you know just by chance they're not even hunting turkeys i don't know a single person that hunts them in texas in the fall not one i know like, that's what i wish they would like in tennessee have you have to buy fall turkey license would be nice rather than just giving people the tag with their deer license because 99.9 percent of the turkeys that are killed in the fall are by opportunistic deer hunters mm-hmm. just like you're saying yeah you know but anyway they wanted to transition to where we could have a sustainable spring season. And so what he came up with and they looked through all the studies is probably the most cited study on how to set your seasons ever. You got to have most of the harv or you, you start killing the toms. You only shoot bearded turkeys. A everybody knows that you only want to kill the males during the mating season. It has to be after most of the breeding has occurred mm-hmm. and you can kill 30% of your male population without an impact. So that's kind of what he came up with. And that's what all these season parameters were set upon. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not doing either of those things. We're killing a lot of them before breeding has really commenced. And we're killing, you know, Tennessee, we're killing well over 30%. So they estimated last year, 2021, that we killed 54,000. And another seven to 8,000 were shot and not recovered. So, you know, let's just say 60,000 birds hit the dust last year. Well, they estimate our population at 300,000 total. And I think, I mean, what would you say? I don't know. I would say maybe a third are male, but I mean, at most a half. Right. But I would say closer to a third because we're killing a lot of them. Right. No, that's probably so, fair. So if a third of them are male of your 300,000, you got 100,000 males, you shoot 60. You just kill 60% double what we're supposed to be killing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. But going state, back to what you said earlier, you, you saw more Jake's this year than you have in five yeah, years. This year was epic. So, and I'll give you my theory on that. We can have a intermission. I don't know how Texas was, but this year, um, last year's hatch, right when the hens were hitting the ground, we had this, uh, 
what are they army worms i don't know if y'all had those mm. oh my gosh so the southeast was covered in army worms like there's, there's these worms that just get all over your grass they ate my whole yard it was a sandbox and i loved it didn't have to mow anymore so you had the army worms and then there was like this brood x of cicadas last year is this massive cicada hatch i do remember all this, hearing about that yeah yeah all this concurrent with the turkey hatch so as soon as the eggs and stuff are on the ground, you have this massive amount of food for all your coons, possums, everything. I mean, a coon can either sit there and suck down all these army worms and cicadas, or he can go fight a hen off a nest and take the eggs. Like he's just going to eat what he's got right there. He's opportunistic. So I think your predation rate was so far down. Then the poult hatch and they have food everywhere. So, cause it was like, it's been bad, 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 bad. That happened last year. Boom. Huge hatch. Mm. Huge. And that's what I love about the wild turkey. If we get things right, they can come back quickly and in mass numbers. So that's the good news. I mean, I'm, I'm not a negative person. I'm a very positive person. And yeah. we also have quail again, which is great this year. Huh. Um, yeah. Well, I, I will to, say that our Texas Parks and Wildlife Department does intentionally, well, they say they do, set the season two weeks after where they believe really is the peak of the breeding season. Yeah. Which that's what they're supposed to do. They, they say that they do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at some of Mike Chamberlain studies and a lot of, it's not so much Texas. I haven't researched Texas as much, especially with the lack of public land there. It's not exactly a destination state unless you're doing guided hunts. And from what I've heard, those can be really good, but mm -hmm. uh, the Southeast Arkansas, you know, They've made a ton of changes. I mean, they're down to a 10-day season, one-bird limit in most of the state. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, South Carolina, the used-to-be stronghold of the wild turkey, all making regulatory changes to move season dates back. Because they, what happened is they used to set them at a date that was correct with Bill Healy's deal, where you kill them after that. Well, then people – Everybody's here in Goblin, you know, in February, which happens, it still happens now. And you'll see dudes on Facebook like, oh, they're going to be gobbled out. They're going to be gobbled out by season. You know, that conversation happens every year. But people are hearing all this massive amounts of gobbling February, early March. So they pressured the game, the people who set the laws to move it back up. So they, they kept inching it up. Well, then we got way out of hand. Now they're taking it back. Hmm. Um, but my point with it, um, 30%. We're killing too many. So the state of Tennessee is going to do something. And here's, here's my main thing with reaping and all this other stuff. It doesn't have to be reaping. Reaping is just a, it's unsafe. A, I, you know, kind of a cheat code, easy to do. And the whole biological dominant bird deal, which we can get into, but the States, Tennessee, whatever state they want to reduce harvest. Okay. So how do we do that? All right. They have two magic bullets and it's the only two they ever go to. We're going to take birds off the bag. We're going to drop the season dates. Right. So in my mind, and I, it's a feeble mind at best, but my theory is, all right, let's look at the, the uh, method of take here. On one end, we have everything's legal. You can go hunt them with, you know, uh, night vision goggles, javelin missiles, and go just wear them out, but you can kill three a year. And we got 90,000 people, and they're all going to kill their three. We have over-harvest because it's way too easy. Other end of the spectrum, everybody can only use loincloths and a homemade longbow with some homemade arrows. 
even if you have 90,000 people hunting with the three bird limit, hardly anyone's going to kill a turkey because you're not going to, mm-hmm. you're not going to have success. Harvest declines. So do, do you agree with that idea that like there's a spectrum of method of take where we can manipulate yeah. harvest? Uh, yeah, clearly. I mean, like we can hunt hogs and coyotes in Texas with thermal technology. I would never advocate that we hunt game species at yeah. night. You know, I mean, you could shoot a deer with a uh, thermal during the day, but you can't do it at night, which I believe is the correct way to yeah. manage that. Well, and that, I'm just, I was using the night vision, like as a example, like if they just said everything's legal, but yeah. you can only kill three a piece, we would have over harvest with this number of hunters because people would use a lot of methods to kill them. So if they want to reduce harvest, what, what they're going to do is either take days off the season or days off the bag limit. Um, but they could accomplish the same if we have this method of take. We take, say we're here, and we move it just back some. That's going to reduce harvest. If you make mm-hmm. it harder for people to kill turkeys, you're going to reduce the harvest. And that can be done without taking days away from people to go in the woods and birds off the bag limit. Birds off the bag limit is less offensive to me than days off the season. Um, big reason being, if you want to teach a kid to go turkey hunting, and you have Arkansas season, you got 10 days to go and a one bird limit. Good luck getting that kid interested in going turkey hunting every year. Cool. He gets to go on his annual turkey hunt with dad on his one weekend that he can go. Yeah. I mean, impossible to get them fired up about it. So you need a you need days in the season, multiple weekends at least, to be able to take them because most high school, middle school, elementary school kids can only go on the weekends. Um, so in my mind, we could accomplish the same thing they're wanting to do because like, so Tennessee's solution last year, they took us from four to three. Okay. Like four birds down to three birds. So that saved, I got the chart right here. A hunter's fourth Turkey accounted for 1,247 turkeys. Okay. So that saved a few birds. That's Mm -hmm. fine, but that's not many. Even if you take the third bird off the limit, you're saving another 3,270 turkeys but still not many 80, 87% of the harvest happens in the first two. And if you drop it to two, I'm going to say, I go kill my two and it's first week of season. I'm going to go help someone else kill theirs. Like that's going to inflate the one and two even. So you're probably not even going to really reduce the number of turkeys killed at that stage. So to me, if I can take away, I, I don't even know what it is they would do to do this i know that reaping allows people to kill turkeys that otherwise would not be killed um you but take here's reaping- a, my, my question okay. for you is but you're also defining ethics for another hunter you know because you, you you said that the piece for outdoor life was ethics safety biology they wanted the other two out because they've been de- debated to high yeah. holy hell i don't believe that i can define ethics for someone else i mean i have my own personal ethics um and and like you said you you don't reap i kind of half-assed attempted for the first time this year i you know i, I could take it or leave it but i'm not going to tell someone else that they can or can't do something that because at the end of the day you're crawling in a field with a decoy um it's not like you're shooting them at 300 yards with a rifle i don't know i just i personally i don't think it's unethical i guess is what i'm saying to uh, to reap a turkey um but I mean, you. I don't live in Tennessee, where it seems like everyone, Tom, Dick, and Harry, is trying it and having success with it. Uh, yeah, I don't really think it's that big of a thing here. Uh, I see a lot of videos out of Texas. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not from there. It's it's 
I know a lot of guide services use it because it's a very successful way to kill turkeys. So, you know. But also, that's all on private land, too. Yeah. So the absolutely. safety aspects kind of, I'm not saying but, that it's completely negated, but it's like you, you've taken the, the safety, the danger. Yeah, definitely element. going to private makes yeah. it better on a safety scale. But most of your harvest in every state occurs on private land. So if you're actually wanting to save a bunch of turkeys from the harvest, private land's the way you got to do it. Mm. Um, but I mean, like, you earlier were talking pretty derogatorily about people who shoot turkeys in the fall over a corn feeder. Well, like, I said it's not for me, but I'm not going to tell them not yeah, to do it. Yeah, I know. I get that, but I'm just saying it's... I don't care if they do it, because probably, to be honest with you, the person that does that isn't a turkey hunter, and they're probably not even going to spring turkey hunt. I, I mean, I'm just yeah, the people that I know. That's probably true, because they're going to leave them for spring. But, all right, so we have laws in place you have to wear orange you can't use a mm. punt gun to duck hunt anymore you can't right, but you, th there's laws that are like this this is only you can compare idea. market hunting to modern day hunting which with which we emphasize conservation right and and i'm and i just one thing that you wrote in here is this is from the article. There's no way to prove that fanning or reaping are contributing to declining turkey populations because there's no studies on how effective 100%. it is. So are, are we putting not. the, my, my main question for you, and I guess the, my biggest gripe with the article, which I've enjoyed this conversation. I think you've br oh, brought up a lot of great points, um, which is why it's important to have these conversations. We're on different sides of the fence, but I want to love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. So, um, so yeah. So are we putting the cart before the horse by saying we should, ban this without sufficient data to support that no I, hey if they want to do a study on it please go ahead i've talked to i don't know how many biologists i've brought it up to they don't want to touch it with a thousand foot pole because mm. who wants to be the guy to prove that hey maybe these full strut decoys are should be illegal you know and then all of a sudden these decoy companies are losing money it's not a good thing so you got NWTF and all these other ones that have decoy sponsors and everything else in the world there. Nobody wants to touch the topic. Nobody. And it, right. it'd be a very, I don't know how you, I'm sure they could figure it out. It's not up to me to do this, but I would assume you would take a Turkey population that isn't hunted, you know, super hard, I guess, you know, like a, a refuge of turkeys or something and just, without shooting them attempt it and see how many break into the killable range and figure out a percentage based on that mm. but then you have to before the study even starts i guess decide okay if this works 50 percent or more of the time then it should be illegal you know you have to set a precedent of like what are we trying to prove here right because i mean what, what do you do if it's like okay work 57 percent of the time okay well Does that yeah, what's the magic number of yeah too <laughs> yeah. effective uh, i don't know yeah I don't know. I, I'm just saying on the whole uh, harvest deal, there's more ways to skin a cat than just taking days off the season. I mean, would let's poll like the, the hunters of Tennessee or wherever. Hey, would you rather have two weeks to turkey hunt for every year or would you rather have six weeks to turkey hunt, but you can only use lead shells and no decoys? I'm just saying like, I don't know. I would rather mm. choose that option, but Hey, if the majority of people would rather have a two week free for all with whatever, you know, method possible, then fine. But I think it's an option we should explore of like, Hey, 
maybe people like to go hunting a lot compared to going hunting with all of these other options. So, and I think the reaping, uh, I know you read the article and I mean, you can look at Mike Chamberlain's research on the dominant Turkey. Okay. I'm glad you went there and uh, I want to dive into Turkey biology and the dynamics within a flock. Uh, But we do need to take a quick break. That segment was brought to you by StealthCam and the DS4K Ultra, the best quality, the highest quality video on the market. You can find the DS4K Ultra as well as their entire lineup of uh, cellular cameras right there at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back with more on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Don't blink, cause like blue bonnets in the spring. We're only here for a little while. It's beautiful and bitter. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Cable here for Pulsar. If you're looking for that nighttime optic, whether it's a night vision or, my preference, thermal, Mm, Man, these things have gotten a lot more affordable over the years. Now, of course, still a pretty penny, but the working man can get into a thermal, can certainly get into night vision. It's a game changer, and nobody does it better than Pulsar. So if you're ready to light up the night, head over to PulsarNV.com to check out their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics. I said, oh man, wait a minute, there's got to be something wrong. I ain't a bad guy, just write these little songs. I always pay my union dues, I don't stay in a passing lane. And he said, what about all that whiskey and cocaine? I said, well, yeah, but that's no reason to throw me in hell. Is I didn't use the cocaine to get high, just like the way it smelled. There's one of my favorites from the great Ray Wiley Hubbard. Conversation with the devil, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Presented by Mossberg Firearms, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you for dropping by today as we are still talking reaping turkeys, which I'll be frank, I didn't even know this was a controversial issue until this spring. Um, it's, But it certainly has been all over the place over the last six weeks or so since turkey season started. And uh, we'll get back into that conversation with Cameron Weddington momentarily. This segment, though, Brought to you by the Mossberg 940 Pro Turkey. This gun, it doesn't care whether you're reaping, whether or not you're using decoys, whether it's a box call or a mouth call or slate. All it wants to do is get out and smack turkeys upside the head. It cycles beautifully, shoulders perfectly, and you don't have to clean it. That's the beauty about the entire 940 platform. 1,500 rounds before you need to clean the gun. And for a guy like me, whew, that's music to my ears. Check it out. 940 Pro Turkey, you can find it at Mossberg.com. All right, Cameron. Well, thanks for sticking around. Let's get back into this conversation. I know you were going to bring up uh, some of uh, Dr. Mike Chamberlain's research on turkey hierarchy and 
biology and, and how that could potentially be affected by reaping. This, I don't think, needs to be studied. This is pretty common sense. The dominant turkey is the one that will charge another turkey fan or decoy. The subordinates most likely won't. I guess they could if they're still trying I would to ag- I would 100% agree with that because there are times when I use a full strutter decoy yeah. with a real turkey fan that I put in the back to make it as yeah. lifelike as possible. And no, no jakes and no two-year-old birds are ever coming to fight that thing. Yeah. It's only the dominant it. bird. Sure, I don't. I don't think anyone would debate that. Obviously, yeah. the dominant turkey is the one who's he's geared up to fight. So, if you here's one thing I love. Alabama did they banned decoys for ten days and let them have it the rest of the season. You know, hey, if you're a big decoy user and you love it, you still get most of the season with it. But if the full strut decoys really are helping people kill dominant turkeys early, which they are. Let's get rid of them for 10 days so that they can breed longer. I mean, I think that's a pretty good approach to it as well, where you keep kind of both camps happy. Was Alabama um, having a sharp decline in their turkey population? Oh, yeah. Alabama's – so, I mean, they've lost days off their season. Um, public lands lost even more. They banned decoys for 10 days and reduced their bag limit. Mm. So, you got Alabama's I think done we're that. Just, but, I mean – I think Texas is somewhat just insulated by this because it's just such a big state. Like we've talked about, it's mostly private land. And yeah. I, I just, I never yeah, even like hear these... people bring up in Texas and I'm pretty close with Texas parks and wildlife. Like the idea of shortening the Turkey season, reducing the bag limit, never discussed here. Totally foreign. Yeah. I mean, that's a, well, come here. It's all, it's all the rage. So, yeah. um, I mean, Georgia, so Georgia, they took, 21 days off the season last year and dropped to a two bird limit. I mean, they just did that bang gone. You know, Georgia now opens after Tennessee, which is interesting Mm. to me. Um, so like you lost three weeks off your season. You're not reaping. You're not using decoys. You're not calling them. You're not in the woods unless you're scouting. You're not hunting for 21 days. Is that better for people, for hunters? I mean, hey, if that's what they want, they can have it. I don't want that, personally. Mm. I want to be able to go hunting. I mean, I, I don't like sitting on the bench. I'm sitting on the bench right now because I'm I'm not hunting with a gun right now. You know, like, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, nobody does. So, it, but, hey, if there's something I'm doing that they can take away from me to make it harder to kill a turkey, go for it. You know, but to me, it's just we're going to have to give somewhere. If the turkey population keeps declining, we've got to give somewhere. We can't keep killing 60% of them. So we can either give up some methods we're using that are unsafe, possibly unethical if we ever did a study on it, and possibly biologically impacting turkeys if we ever did a study on that, which they have studied that. They just haven't studied it with reaping. But for listeners of yours who have it, read the article the, the basic point there is mike chamberlain's research has shown and this is this is how god made the wild turkey mike's been right. on the show before by the way oh sweet okay yeah. well we didn't so, talk about reaping but we were just talking about turkey hunting tips and yeah. stuff but, but oh cool good dude well the the wild turkey like the hens select well it goes through a, they go through a bunch of fighting february early march whatever what part of country you're in 
the gobblers establish a hierarchy. The hens do the same thing. They establish a hierarchy. There's, there's your kingpin gobbler or gobblers. Sometimes it's two or three of them are dominant and they can all, their testosterone levels super high. They're breeding. The hens go to them. So there's a reason you see sometimes one gobbler has 30 hens and then over in the next field, two are by themselves. All right. Reaping the gobbler with 30 hens, he's the one you can kill most likely. Like I, if, if I'm sitting there and I was going to reap a turkey and I see two by themselves over here, two toms, and I got one out here with 30 hens, your boy with 30 hens is probably totes of daggers and he's been whooping those two. I show him the fan. He's coming. All right. And maybe not 100% of the time, not saying 100% of the time, but you can go out there opening day and kill him doing that. And so you have just disrupted everything. <laughs> and to what extent, I don't know that they have studied to what extent it's a disruption, but they know just because he's dead doesn't mean in two hours all those hens move over to the next field and go start breeding the other two and resume life. Hmm. it's it's a, a whole tear down and reset the other two or whatever however many gobblers are in the surrounding area are going to have to duke it out figure out who's the physically fittest strongest genetics ready to go he's the man hens go to him then he breeds them that takes days if not weeks they don't know how long that actually takes and it varies turkeys are weird though then because like dude i've shot i shot a pronghorn in a wheat field one time and he was with five does and I shot him. Boom. Falls over dead. A, another buck was laying under a tree. The only tree within eyesight. And we had no idea he was there. Uh, and then as soon as that buck was dead and those does run off, there he goes. And those are now his does. Yeah. So it's weird that turkey biology from what Mike is saying is so different. Like it would take a week multiple weeks to reset before another dawn, another Tom would start breeding these, these hens because in the rest of the, well, at least in the mammal kingdom, I don't think that that's true at all. Like it's opportunistic. Like yeah. we know that we know that, uh, two year old bucks will, will breed does if they can. Um, so it's, it's, it's very different. Yeah. And I mean, I, maybe he's wrong. I don't know. It's he's got 30 years of Turkey research study on him. So I'm, I have zero. Yeah, I'm going to stick with his opinions on and what he's seen because I haven't done any science on it. But And it makes sense because you do see that where if if it was the case, you'd just see hens with all these different gobblers breeding all the time, you know, but usually you see one strutting. A lot of times you'll see one strutting and one is just kind of feeding with the flock. I mean, I saw it last year in Alabama. I had There were three gobblers and a bunch of hens. One was strutting the whole time. The other two just the other two were actually strutting. They were just off to the side strutting. And the one in the middle was gobbling. Hens would come out of the woods. He would breed them, and they would leave. Hens would come out of the woods, breed them, he'd leave. And the other two just literally were statues. They never moved. Like, they're just – and Mike actually explained that in one of his discussions of those other two realize they're not breeders, but they want to contribute to society, turkey society, by helping draw attention to the area so that the breeder can get more breeding in mm. is what he described it as. So they know they're not going to be able to replace themselves in the landscape, but they want to help in some way. So three gobblers strutting helps attract more than one is kind of what he did. But back to my point, you just shot, you reaped 
the dominant, okay? A, I mean, you're in Texas. People pay a lot of money for the right genetics of a bull or a horse down there, I assume. Mm -hmm. Genetics are huge. We all know genetics are big. He was your best genetic option for the Pults. That's why all the hens were breeding with him. He, he's the man. The hens know this guy gives me the best chance at raising strong, healthy Pults. All right, he's dead. So you just took the genetics down, chain, And you may have just delayed nesting by a week or two. We also know through tons of studies show the later the nests hit the ground, less successful nests. I agree um, with that 100%. Yeah, sure. myriad of reasons there. If mm. the, I mean, the worst case you can have is if the nest, this is from my understanding, and again, everybody, I'm no scientist. I'm no biologist. I'm just quoting what I've read through research. I read a ton. But the worst thing you have is when, like, you stagger all the nests for just weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's just a never-ending buffet for predators. Yeah, I mean, the a, a full coon isn't going to keep hunting nests. So if he if they all hit the ground in one week and he eats one nest, he's good, you know, for a while. Whereas if if they go one one week, one the next week, one the next week, he's just going to eat that one, eat that one, eat that. Mm -hmm. You know, one coon can really make some 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 damage. Um, so it might cause it predator swamping. A lot of people refer to it as that, but. Um, so you just killed your genetically superior turkey and you just delayed nesting potentially from what the research shows. Um, you had an impact. Now, if you reap him in May after most of the breeding's done, he doesn't have any hens with him, but he's still ready to fight. I think you have a much less of an impact. I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's kind of why I agree with Alabama's take on it of, Hey, let's 10 days, um, no decoys because I don't, maybe you are the soothsayer of the turkey world. And every time you yelp, they come running. Maybe it's you. It's not me. If he's out in the middle of a field with 30 hens, I am not calling that turkey away from those hens. I mean, right. without a visual aid, there is no, maybe one in a hundred times. Maybe. I mean, it is very, very, very low odds. Um, with just a call and a gun, you're not going to kill the dominant. Now, the two that we, you know, in our hypothetical here, the two in the other field that have no hens, boom, they are, they're ready to rock. You know, I go over there, slip around, call to them, they're coming in, and I kill me a nice two-year-old. Didn't impact the breeding structure of the flock. I got a gobbler. I'm happy as can be, you know. And that's why I've killed, uh, you know, a couple five-by-fives with my bow, but no big six-by-six six yet, right? Same concept. Yeah. And kill so, the satellite bulls. They, they'll come to the call. But if you've got a big bull with a bunch of cows, he's good not luck. coming. Yeah, not to a, especially with a bow. I mean, forget it. Yeah. I, I mean, one of my buddies described it this way. If you're in bed with uh, three gorgeous women and a fourth one calls, you answering? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it doesn't work uh, with calling the dominant away from all his hens. Now, you, you may be able to slip around him and get in front of him and kill him that way. But I'm just saying your statistical odds of killing that Turkey really low mm. the subdominance you can kill. So I think we introduced Turkey hunting, the spring Turkey hunting back to the flock once it was established and the flock continued to go up while we were hunting them. But most people were hunting them with a call, a gun that could shoot 35, maybe 40 yards and at best a foam hen decoy. 
So they weren't able to kill. I mean, you did not kill the dominant bird the first part of the season ever, hardly ever. I mean, my, my mentor, the guy that taught me everything, he was like, oh, I don't even hunt till third week of April in Tennessee because I only want to kill the big old turkeys and you can't kill them early season. I mean, he's seriously, he won't start till April 27th or so because mm. he's like, you, you can't kill them um, early season. So it, it was kind of common knowledge. You, you don't kill those ones with the giant hooks on them until late, late season. And that's still the case. I mean, the ones I kill early season, almost always two-year-olds because I'm just calling. Ones I kill in May, huge typically because mm. they finally lose those hens. They bred them. All the hens are gone. And that works because all your hens are bred. They got the best genetics. They're on the nest. He's expendable at this point. You can kill him, and it doesn't have a mass impact on the flock. He still dies that year, but you didn't do it early on when it really made a problem for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so that's do, you, all the do you use decoys? No. No. No, and I, I'm not like – if they banned, if we found out decoys were a problem and we banned that, I, I'm fine with that, obviously, but I'm not after that as much. Um, I guess the, the question, though, uh, Cameron, is like, so if you ban one thing, it's a slippery slope. Like, where does that stop? Then are we banning yeah, feeders for deer or, yeah. or, or, or mojos for dove hunting? I mean, like, I, I just, that's why I'm still, I understand I everything you've, you've said. And you make some good points, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to be on the other side of the fence and just say, because of that can of worms that it's opening up, Yeah, I don't know if I can just, I just don't think I can get down with saying, you have four turkey tags, and but you can't kill those turkeys the way that with you want method. to. Yeah, I get so. that a lot. I hear that argument all the time of, oh, if you let the government, you know, have this, they're going to, they might overreach, you know, six states already banned it. It's mm. totally banned in six different states right now. Actually, seven if you include North Carolina WMAs. Hadn't gone past that. It's a pretty simple ban. Handheld or gun-mounted silhouettes or real turkey fans made to look like turkey fans. I, I can't remember all the lingo. I can send it to you. Mm. It's a pretty simple way of stating it. Basically saying you can't handhold or put on your gun barrel a turkey fan and move move it around or move towards the turkey using it and it's a pretty simple law been done in six to seven states seven states including if you just say public land in north carolina um that's it it, yeah. it hadn't led to all of a sudden those guys they can't ever go turkey hunting anymore because the government came in and was like hey actually we're going long bows only get out your loincloth good luck right it's a simple law um but what if, so? But also from reading your article and being from Texas, when you say all fifty states should just ban it unequivocally, like I don't think we're having any problems with our turkey numbers. People aren't getting shot in Texas on private land doing this practice. So yeah, I mean, why, my main my main concern, as you could probably tell through the article, is I focus very heavily on Tennessee statistics and our yeah, people. Yeah. So Texas, y'all can fight for what y'all want to. Texas is mostly private land, as we've stated. Yeah, and if the if the turkey population is stable and in or increasing, hey, bring it back, whatever. But yeah. if this is one of the contributing factors, which I think it could very well be, to the declines we're seeing in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, Louisiana, on and on and on, Nebraska, Kansas. I mean, these were 
strongholds for the turkey. And if this is one of the factors that is contributing to that decline, ban it. Hmm. Let's get rid of it. What about us as a community saying, okay, why don't we be more proactive in like habitat restoration and prescribed burns? And uh, I was talking to a guy from SCI the other day, and uh, he's from, I think, West Virginia. And he said the timber companies used to be really involved with habitat management. And he says that in the last five years, he hasn't seen them do one prescribed burn where they used to burn all the time. And he says that that kind of stuff obviously is going to make better habitat. You're going to have better nest success. Um, So I would be, I mean, I I understand what you're saying. No, Um, I, so I'm 100% with you. Habitat, predator management. These things are way more important in my book than fanning, Mm -hmm. banning, banning the reaping. Way more important. 1000% agree. It's a significantly harder to get all of the timber companies to change their practices, get everyone in the world to go catch a raccoon and promote. I mean, I promote those things burning. I put a burning thing on my post today. Like I do Mm. raccoon trapping. I've killed 50 of them since like February. I'm doing all I can. (laughs) Yeah. I I kill them all. Like I'm so sold on what you're saying. It's going to be very difficult to change all the timber company practices. And just because reaping isn't the number one cause or even number two cause, maybe not even the number three cause, if it's contributing, it can be easily taken away with, here's the law, you can't Mm. handhold the decoy, it's done. You know, you're still going to have your rogues that do it, but it's done. It's That's a very simple way to possibly save quite a few turkeys. Above reaping, my email to TWRA this year in our comment section, my number one thing was to take away Jake shooting. I mean, that just, I had that above the reaping thing. So the Outdoor Life article, they asked me to do the reaping one. I mean, that's the bottom line. So I wouldn't have have a problem uh, as much of a problem with like, because isn't our goal as, as hunters, aren't we always trying to take the mature male of X yeah. species, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Okay. That would suck for a kid. If he had an opportunity to shoot. No, a no, no, I you... would, I would want to leave it. So the way I had it phrased is leave it for disabled and 16 and under can still hmm. harvest Jake's. I mean, cause it, I mean, my first Turkey was a Jake proudest I've ever been of a Turkey, you know, <laughs> like yeah. there's so many people like that, but I don't, I do think we could save several thousand of the next year's breeding flock by just doing an adult adults able-bodied adults cannot shoot jakes because mm-hmm. um, we kill tennessee this year we're at let's see i think 40 4, i would be more i would be more jakes. down with that uh 100 like that wouldn't have bothered me if you said we have proven that our turkey population is declining rather than dictate to you how you kill them we are no longer going to shoot immature birds okay now i feel like yeah that's okay that's I might be down with that. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, you're still like kind of dictating how somebody, I guess, who somebody kills more than how at that point. But, I mean, it. hey, I'm with you. If they're going to yeah. do one, you know, if, if it's a one or the other deal. But yeah. to me, in Tennessee, so we can either drop to, you know, we drop the third bird off the bag limit, which has also been proposed on the table. So you save 3,270 turkeys on average for five-year average. Or we could take away Jake's. Let's say the youth and disabled people kill a thousand of the four thousand. That's 
saves the exact same number of turkeys right there by taking away jakes toss takeaway reaping on that you have less hunting accidents and you know maybe save another thousand two thousand turkeys so you're actually looking at a pretty good dent in saving turkeys at that point or take away reaping for half the season you know or do in alabama take away all decoys for 10 days you know i mean that maybe i mean i'm gonna be very i'd love to see their study on how that effective that has been yeah well it's only been one this was i think two years this is the second year they've done that so mm. it'll be really interesting like am i expecting them to have just this massive turnaround and become the capital of the world of turkeys again no but if it has a positive impact that would be very helpful yeah i'd love to see like a, the multi-year effects of those regulatory changes in alabama um let's take our last break we'll come back put a little bow on this conversation i'll be frank I don't know that Outdoor Life really did you a favor, man, and uh, we'll dive into that next. That segment brought to you by Big and J, Whitetail Attractants. We'll be right back on SCI's Own Star Outdoor Show. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com in the market for a compact track loader then check out the bobcat advantage where bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges whether you're looking for performance advantages uptime protection or quality design bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry but don't take our word for it watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat Machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today. In that cold room, your breath would twist just like ghosts do. You said, call me Dorothy and red shoes and the baby. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks to NUMA Outdoors for sponsoring uh, this segment. And by the way, they've got their new solids out like the Pathfinder Pant. Love this thing. Uh, stylish and cool. And uh, from the lake to actually I'm going to be wearing it in Hawaii hunting Axis deer this next week. It's the Pathfinder Pant. And you'll save 20% off with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. And that's off uh, all of their hunting apparel, uh, NUMA Outdoors. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up our conversation on reaping and fanning turkeys uh, with Cameron Weddington. See, I think Outdoor Life didn't do you any favor by cutting out the other components. Like Because oh. you came across when I read the article, I was like, this guy's a blowhard. All he, he's telling us... It, us like i'm not like i'm not a big reaper like i told you i've tried it one time yeah but he's telling other hunters how they can and can't hunt and that rubbed me the wrong way you know and so i was just like just i, I 
I thought we would have a good conversation, but I'm walking, I'm going to walk away from this thinking, oh, I'd love, you know, I'd sit around a campfire with this dude and share yeah. a turkey camp and he's not a, a jerk and yeah, I, you know, I an, an elitist, you know, like I, I'm no elitist. I've also, I'm a strong conservative. I'm not a Marxist by any means. Um, but yeah, so I have mixed emotions about that. I appreciate him giving me an opportunity to at least talk about part of the reason mm -hmm. that I think reaping should be illegal part um i was confused at first why they asked me to take the other two out and then the next day they released an article by a girl i saw that wrote an article that rebuttal rebutted my article which makes like, which well. makes me think did they get me to take safety and ethics out of it because those are harder to argue against like yeah. because the biological part, we don't have the study. So obviously, you know, mm -hmm. he said, she said, this scientist says this, well, this one says that. We can do that all day. But the safety, you and I've talked about it. We're both like, yeah, it's probably not safe on public land. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty pretty easy to go with it. You know, most people will agree, like, hey, crawling around with a full strut gobbler decoy in front of your face is is definitely not the safest way to go about it. You know, uh, it's pretty simple. So. I don't know if they had me cut that so that they could have that argument piece, uh, rebuttal piece written. Um, yeah. But whatever. I mean, I appreciate them doing that. It just was, like you said, I, I'm not, and like Waddell, I don't know. He obviously doesn't like me. He's stated he doesn't respect me is why he's canceled this podcast deal that Tyler Jordan wanted to happen, and that's fine. I don't, I don't know him. It's not going to affect my day-to-day -day life. We'll be all right here. Yeah. But um, most people, you're like the 10th one who actually take the time to have like a conversation with me, mm. end up saying, hey, you actually have some pretty good points. There's probably enough merit there to maybe at least merit a study of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not saying after this, you're going to go write another article why reaping should be banning. Like, <laughs> I'm No, I, I'm not going to. I'm still not going to agree with the, the just the blanket statement of all reaping should be banned. But the things like I, I didn't know Alabama had a 10 day no decoy uh, season. Yeah. And I'd love to see if how it works. Yeah. And again, not advocating for this in Texas because we don't even talk about our turkey population. So and I, I don't ever like I see plenty of turkey, so I don't think it's a big thing here. Yeah, I haven't but heard in places where it's not and turkeys are struggling. Okay, well, then yes, it's conservationists. So we have to have that conversation of what can we do to help these birds? They're struggling. We have more hunters now. We have the technologies improved. Uh, shoot, shooting a turkey at seventy-five yards doesn't appeal to me personally. Thank you. But, Same here. But if but if you want to do it again, hey, that that's your thing. Whatever. Yeah, um, and, and it's not that's for me. Not I'm telling you, like, I want to shoot him in the face at 10 yards. <laughs> yeah. People, people are always like, oh, I don't want to shoot him too close. And I'm like, I don't know what too close is. Like, I, I want to shoot him while he's pecking my bootstraps. I want to be yeah. counting his caruncles when he walks up there. But yeah. like, I don't, just because I oppose reaping doesn't mean that I like, I'm this guy that wants to put my morals of hunting on everyone else. It's, it's not the case. I'm more so looking at it from a standpoint, Tennessee, again, Texas is different. Every state's different, but right. I, I'm fighting in Tennessee right now. Like this is this is my home ground. This is what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. The state has shown they want to, they want to encourage new hunters to go turkey hunting. Mm -hmm. 
they're they're wanting to recruit more hunters into the fold. We're killing sixty thousand from their estimates out of what we said. If it's a third of the population's male, out of a hundred thousand, this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, that's right. just the bottom line. So we got to do something. Is changing the way we hunt a possibility? Yes. If you go to all longbows, the harvest will go down. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we do that. I'm just I saying think that Alabama sounds like the best compromise. Like if you want to yeah, reap, fine, use... you can reap at the end of the season. Well, Alabama yeah. banned reaping totally. Well, that's but... true, Alabama. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can laugh about this. It's not a fist fight here. It's great. But no, yeah, Andy, my co-host of the podcast, who likes to reap, he lives in Alabama. He was pretty upset about it, but. As he should um, be. They told him how he could or couldn't do something, which he'd been doing, which was legal. He lost his right to do it. I'd have been pissed too. But, you know, if you said... At the same time, if the alternative was, okay, we can do this, or you can not hunt for two weeks. Hmm. That's why That's why the not right hunting away to with go a to the decoy woods. for two weeks seems yeah. like that might... Going back to that. And again, I'm generally opposed to any kind of regulation unless it's... Uh, scientifically based and then and then at that point then you can't argue and i'm i'm whether it's hunting or in my daily life like i believe in science right and and facts and i said i choose to live my life in in reality um and so yeah i think you know we have to have these conversations i want to encourage people to read the piece and if you've listened to this interview then you know cameron's not a blowhard after all uh so (laughs) I, I check out the piece and then I have not read the rebuttal that they, they just put out. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll give that a read too. I don't know. I'll go ahead and touch a couple of points there. The rebuttal was interesting overall. Well-written piece. She's well-written. Um, she said two things that stood out to me. There's probably more, but one, she mentioned that Jake's two-year-olds, three-year-olds and four-year-old gobblers all will run two away or not even notice a fan. How she can tell their four-year-old gobblers when they're running away is, is, is that's pretty impressive feat. So that I don't know how you could tell it's the dominant bird running away from you that he's four years old because scientists, biologists can't even tell he's past three years old if he's sitting there dead in front of you. Right. Spur length does not actually show age. It, it's a good indication, but it's not for sure. So uh-huh. that was funny to me. And then uh, one of her points that at first I was like, this is a great point was that in Nebraska that hunter success rate has gone down while, uh, you know, reaping is legal. So reaping is legal. Hunter success rate's actually gone down per mm. person, like the percentage of people that kill turkeys. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty solid evidence, you know? And then I looked at Nebraska's permit sales and they went from 26,000 to 58,000. And I was like, Okay, you doubled the number of hunters, and they're telling us they also have less turkeys. So we got twice as many people hunting fewer turkeys. I don't care what method you use; success rate's going down. Right. So right. that was again you know, science and facts. Yeah, yeah. that that part kind of got left out. It was just a blanket, like yeah, you know, success rates going down. And I was like, okay, that's a great point. Success rates going down. And I was like, okay, never mind, because we double your hunters and you have less birds on the landscape success rates going down. But, um, yeah, think, I, appreci- I think, I think that if you sat down with Michael Waddell and you had that conversation and said, you know, 
here's what Alabama did, and and maybe this has to be next year when they actually have the data, and it worked, or the state banned decoys for ten the first ten days of the season, and they dropped their harvest down by five thousand birds. Yeah, you know, I mean, these are at that point, you know, I think he would because I don't know, maybe y'all just got it rubbed each other the wrong way, but uh, I think he's a, a hell of a good guy, and I uh, probably would agree with you, and yeah. um, I mean, I've I've made the offer. I, I texted him. I, Tyler Jordan sent me his number and said, "Here, coordinate with him to go do this podcast." I said, "Okay." Uh, texted him never responded so mm. but yet he was posting on social media like 25 times a day so i'm like all right dude obviously has his phone so i commented on there and i said hey I, all i said was hey i'd love to come on your podcast and tell you why i think it should be illegal based on ethics uh safety and biology um tyler jordan told me to text you and he didn't text back i mean that's all i commented and then yeah. um I think I so out of the three the, for that one from some other guy. I don't... <laughs> so I think out of the three, the like the three points that you've made ethics, safety, biology, the ethics is the one that's the most great for me still biology. Yeah. I understand safety. People are getting shot again. If you said public land, okay, I'm, I'm not going to argue it, it, telling someone pretty... what to do on their private land. Eh, yeah. Not for me more. So, but, um, but yeah, I think the ethics is the only one where I'm just like, the I'm not willing to question, stick my That my has toe to be answered that. by the study if they do one. If right. people are able to, like if it's a, uh, this, I know it's not, but if it's a 99% effective rate, it's probably not ethical to keep going. I, I would agree but, with that. Yeah, you know, so anyway. like, I don't know where you draw that line. I mean, for me, I would say if it's 50-50, if it's greater than 50% odds, I would say it's probably unethical because, like, I would that's pretty. I don't know. I've hunted it, where do in you South tell, Texas. You know. I've hunted the past three years with some of the dumbest turkeys I've ever found. And so <laughs> when I get into it with them, with with just a Jake and a, just a Jake decoy and a hen decoy, they die every time. So it's like it's it's literally 100%. I only killed two turkeys there this year. But I could have yeah. shot all four if I wanted to. Um, and I could have shot them in a, uh, two or three hunts. Like, so I, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I've never kept track of like how successful when I get into, when I strike a bird and I'm like engaged with that bird, what is the percent that I kill them? Yeah. It's not 50%. I'll guarantee you that. Well, I'll tell you, you know, one easy thing they could do, Tennessee, you kill one, you have to report it. On your phone, they have an app, you know, whatever. What if when you report it, you know, they ask for beard length, spur length, weight, all this other stuff. What if it was like, did you use a decoy? Did you reap? Did you not? You know, simple question. And then if it submits that and we find out that 30,000 of the 60,000 are all killed from reaping, then it's like, hey, if we take that away, that's going to save a lot of birds, you know. Mm. I mean, that'd be one simple solution, but these simple solutions don't seem to go too well with the state apparently. So, right. right. Uh, well, one other thing I'll take away from this is that, you know, probably need to reach out to Texas parks and wildlife and say, we should maybe, uh, figure out how many turkeys we're shooting every year. Maybe they know, dude, maybe, maybe I'm just, out of the loop, but I'm pretty, uh, pretty in touch with what's going on with our regulations and, and harvest reporting and, have been hunting turkeys here for 15 years and never been 
short of Killian Eastern asked, did you kill turkeys? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think maybe we should start keeping some kind of tab on that. Yeah. Um, and y'all aren't even experiencing decline. you think that imagine I, us, not that I've seen us folks over here are seeing that like our turkey populations being decimated and it's like, okay, well maybe step one, let's figure out how many people are hunting them and how many we kill each year. That'd be yeah. good to know. What we usually talk about is drought. It's the same thing with quail yeah. and turkey. And Oklahoma, it's like, well, same, Nevada. A lot of do we mistakes. do we get rainfall at the right time? And if we did, then we're going to have a good turkey and quail hatch, you know? Um, so, but hey, man, I, I certainly enjoyed the conversation. Um, you said yeah. you have only a couple of days left in your season. I hope that uh, it, it goes well for you. Yeah, I'm done. I, I'm not toting a gun, but I've, I've called two up. And last one I called up, I pointed my finger at him, yelled bang, and he flew off. So that was my <laughs> morning hunt. But I, I, am, I got one more trip in me. I'm going north at the end of this month to hunt one more time. So hopefully get one more bird and call it quits for another year. And Lord willing, I'll get to do it again in 23. Last question for you. Uh, and I ask basically anyone that, that has hunted turkeys in multiple locations with different species uh which one is the least intelligent out of the uh, the four main species we have here in the lower 48 i'm gonna go with Merriam's. okay <laughs> it's, it's the same thing waddell said <laughs> yeah i mean like i hate to say that because i've been beaten by Merriam's, but yeah. not as often eastern by far number one yeah. Osceola number two. And the reason the Osceola can be tough. And, but my experience with them, and it's not a ton of experience. I'm not saying I go kill Osceolas on the regular, but like they're hard to find because they live in the freaking jungle half the time. Mm -hmm. And it's so humid down there. And the leaves are all, you know, this big around. So their gobble carries 300 yards max. They're hard to find. You know, you can hear it Eastern from a, three quarters of a mile some mornings or a Rio or whatever through the open country. And they're hard to find. Now, when I've finally found one, they tend to work pretty good to the call. So, but they are still usually a little more leery than a Rio who would be number three on my list. And then the Eastern, and I haven't hunted the Goulds or oscillated, which is basically a peacock, but right. You know, maybe they're, you know, I've heard they hunt them just by roasting them off the roost. And I don't really care to pay three grand to go shoot a peacock off the roost. Yeah. So hopefully they figure out how to call those jokers and I'll be interested. Do they gobble? They sing. Huh. They have like a, uh, you'd have to listen. It's kind of a gobbly. But you got to go to like the Yucatan, Mexico or yeah, Central America. Yucatan to, Peninsula. To yeah. Yeah. I'll do it one day because they are manufacturing. I mean, I'm sure they're figuring out turkey hunters want to like call or use decoys to work the bird in. And they're, uh, they're manufacturing calls now to try to imitate the hen sound. So mm. you can actually work the bird like, that interests me. I, I'm not going to pay to fly all the way down to Mexico to shoot something out of a tree. Like that, yeah. that's a lot of money to roost pop one. Yep. Yep. But I, I, I hear you. And I'm it. in the same boat. I uh, haven't done that S someday. Hopefully I will. Yeah. Uh, and I'll take you with me to call for me. So, hey, hey you might not need <laughs> me there. You'll, you'll have it handled. We can, uh, we'll figure it out. And that's, that's the thing. I've, I've told everybody this. I have plenty of friends that reap turkeys. We hunt fine together. We can go have lunch. We get along great. It's not the end of the world. I'm not calling somebody's moral character into play here. Mm. And it's just an opinion. Um, 
that has some scientific backing. Maybe it's all not factual, but there's a lot of scientific backing to what I just said. It makes sense to me. And I think it's an option we should explore opposed to taking days away from people to actually enjoy the woods. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. two cents. And I think, like you said, we can actually have this discussion, get along fine. Yeah. Hopefully others will take notes. Yeah. And, and like I said, I still don't agree, but you brought, other, you brought other things that I do agree with that are part of the bigger picture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, well, cool. We all check out the article. Uh, if you want to give, I know you're on Instagram. Is that the best place for people to? Yeah. Yeah. People can get on Instagram. I have Facebook too, but everybody's more apt to be angry on Facebook. So I stopped posting there. So Instagram, my handle is the gobfather 49. That mm -hmm. is a Turkey call that I used years ago. It's now retired, but that sucker, if you, if you made a call on that call, that should be outlawed. Actually, that call should have been outlawed because it was too high of odds. So I dedicated my page to it, but it's the gobfather 49. Right on. Well, Hey man, thanks again. Yeah, thanks man. Again. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to go uh, catch up on my communist manifesto. All right. Take I'll it see easy. Ya. See you, bud. Well, so there you have it. Reaping and fanning turkeys the case against it from cameron weddington check out the piece in outdoor life and uh like i said i'm still not opposed to those practices if you want to do it by all means i'll support you in that endeavor uh, i might even do it myself um, see if i can shoot a turkey in the face at three feet behind a fan sounds like fun uh, but uh, until the science supports it that's where I'm at. I did think, like I just said, Cameron uh, brought up some excellent points and certainly a conversation worth having. Hope you guys enjoyed it. That segment was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Uh, Josh and Becky Gunther, my longtime friends, have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for over a decade, whether that's a South Texas whitetail, uh, a trout from the coast, you want to get a replica of your personal best largemouth or an entire African safari. They do it all. They do amazing work with quick turnaround time. And you can find them at gr8mounts.com. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Cameron. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of today's presentation. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying thanks for tuning in. And y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I love you even more than I love Texas.